Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to Screen Heroes, the movie podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your regular host, Derek, and I have with me my two lovely, long-time running co-hosts, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. Hello. Hello. We are nearing our five-year anniversary of the show. So we're recording this on uh, November 10th. The episode will go out on the 12th. Our five-year anniversary is December 2nd, which is right after a recording day and right before our release day. So we're planning some stuff for our five-year anniversary, which is cool. Looking forward to that. We're going to be talking kind of about our history of the show and other things that we've covered, things that we've liked, things that we haven't over the years, things that maybe we wish we had just totally ignored existed. I'm sure that'll come up a couple of times, but I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. We are reviewing Jonah Hex this week, the 2010 DC Comics film, in part to tie into our latest tournament in the Screen Heroes forum on Facebook. So we have the Screen Heroes podcast forum. You can join us and talk movies and TV with us. We post memes and polls and news and tournaments. We live stream the show. And Ray, you want to tell people about the currently running tournament? Sure. So the currently running tournament, uh, it's the best DC casting. So we're actually judging on which actors fill their roles the best. Uh, right now we're still in the first round of things, so it's not too far in to jump into things if y'all wanted to do that. Yeah, the matchup you launched today was what Eisenberg and Thurman. Jesse yes. Eisenberg as Lex Luthor and Uma Thurman as Ivy. So this does include all DC live action films, not just the DCEU. Right. So who would you guys pick from those two? Who's your best cast between the two of them? Oh, Uma Thurman. Yep. Yeah, so you can come join us in the Screen Heroes podcast forum on Facebook, and you can uh, vote along with us as we go. Lots of fun stuff there, and you can always chat during the show, so there you have it. I do want to give people a sneak peek at what we have coming in December. So Ryan's birthday is at the end of the month here, 
And we always like to do kind of a, a birthday episode where the, the birthday person gets to pick their topic. But Ryan decided it's 2020. And since this year is really like four years, he's going to pick four episodes. That's right. And so <laughs> instead, we have Mary Cagemas this December where we will be covering or Nicholas happy Hanukkah cage. cage. We don't, we're not really sure on the title yet. One of those two. <laughs> basically each one of us picked a Nicolas Cage movie that we will review and then we are reviewing one together that we've we've agreed upon together so we know that uh that one the final one will be Family Man you know because you know feelings oh it's cute but the other ones maybe still 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 nebulous I know a couple that we've thrown out there are Face Off and Vampire's Kiss and Con Air so too bad it turns out Vampire's Kiss is impossible to actually watch if you want to watch it. Yeah, I'm really disappointed because I've never seen that one. And yeah, it's it's not streaming uh, anywhere that I can find it anyway. And in order to buy a DVD of it, you have to shell out like 55 bucks. I imagine it's so sought after because oh, back when memes were young... <laughs> Uh, the scene where he insanely shouts the alphabet went viral and it like 30 years after the movie had already come out and one of the most crazy faces he makes has become meme worthy. So I, I think people just wanted to get the movie to, to see where the memes came from, but it's also just a bonkers performance by oh, him yeah. like, all the way through. So absolutely incredibly weird so unless something changes in the next couple of weeks where that becomes more readily available we'll have to pick something else but that's what you have to look forward to the rest of the year we're looking at a 10th anniversary tron legacy retrospective maybe looking back at the rocketeer now that both of those are available on disney plus those are those are coming up as well later this month but let's talk news I'm going to get a really quick one out of the way, just informational, really. Uh, Free Guy and Death on the Nile have both been pushed by Disney out of 2020. Both of those were going to be releases later in December. That is not happening anymore, and they will be released sometime next year, which leaves Wonder Woman 1984 as the final like tentpole major theatrical film slated for 2020 it's christmas day and i'm gonna go out there and say that that's not happening yeah yeah accurate so there you have it uh i think that's not really surprising to anybody who's been following things pretty closely i was hoping maybe free guy might get a straight to streaming offer just based on what it is it's not you know a massive blockbuster or anything and i'd be willing to to rent that for the same as i did bill and ted so yeah there you go anything you guys want to add to that nope okay cool then we will move on to bigger news so johnny depp johnny depp and amber heard have been in a long legal battle about their marital affairs there's been both parties have talked about abuse coming from the other there's been a lot of court cases about it and johnny depp recently lost a libel case where the judge confirmed that most of the counts in the libel case turned out to at least be supported by evidence and so basically directly after that almost like warner brothers was had like a google ping announcement waiting they uh, more or less forced johnny depp to voluntarily resign from fantastic beasts 
he's playing Grindelwald or what was playing Grindelwald. So he has now been kicked out. He's not doing it anymore. There are talks about how, uh, you know, uh, who his replacement might be. And he is still going to get paid. He has a pay or play contract. So he still will make eight figures on what might wind up being a single scene in the movie. Any thoughts on this guys? So I know a lot of people want Colin Farrell back. He cannot come back because of his schedule and commitment to the Batman. Uh, If shooting moves at all, that could change. But right now, Colin Farrell is not able to do it. But they already asked him. Interesting. Because they've already delayed it. It's now set for July of 2022. Mm-hmm. so that's pretty far off I, i'd be surprised if the batman is what's holding the, up that conversation that is the statement colin farrell put out so it, it may be sequels that he's connected to it could be uh, a bigger picture kind of thing it could be press tours or promotions who knows fair but that is the answer he has given ryan anything from you on this I mean, I'm not really a big Fantastic Beast fan, so I don't really care. Uh, but obviously, I don't like. I'm not. I don't like that uh, Johnny Depp is losing uh, roles because of what seems clearly to be abuse against him. But um, you know, we weren't there, so it's hard to make a full judgment on it just based off the evidence presented. So, but you know it is what it is and he's i'm glad he's gonna get a full payday at least uh, just like some opinion mode here from what i gather uh the two of them just brought out the worst in each other and neither party is completely innocent but it does seem uh that johnny has more proof of abuse coming from amber heard than she does against him and so maybe he's the lesser of the two evils um if warner brothers is going to make him step down i can't imagine that uh, she'll keep her job at aquaman 2 for very much longer let's hope and there is a big movement to have her replaced you know people uh have it was almost immediate that that was the response she has returned for some reshoots for the snyder cut so we'll at least see that but aquaman 2 of course hasn't begun filming so there's still plenty of time to swap her out or reduce the role or what have you the rumored front runner to replace johnny depp though is mads mads mickelson who i mean i that's fine i don't really have a strong opinion either way I actually really liked Colin Farrell's version of, of the character before he cha- changed into Johnny Depp. So uh, I don't really have a whole lot riding on this one. I don't know about you guys. I don't think any of us were like massive fans of the, of the Fantastic Beasts movies so far, but um, you know, I know Rachel's had some interest in where it was going. And at least I think I remember that. So uh, as far as the Fantastic Beast movies go, uh, I was a fan of the Harry Potter books and uh, I thought the first three movies were really magical to, you know, use that word. 
Uh, they they just brought out a lot of fun for a whole family flick. They got really dark. They got uh, and they cut out just a ton of the lightheartedness that these child characters are experiencing. So uh, the movie is as far as quality goes dipped. Not any part faults of the actors i think especially the children they just got better as they grew up even the side ones and then fantastic beasts came out and you know they're basing five movies off of a subsequent textbook kind of thing that rolling wrote so there's not much content there and from the get-go it seemed like they just wanted to do a dumbledore prequel which if that was the case, just say it. The Fantastic <laughs> Beasts title feels off. It sh- I feel like it should have been, you know, Newt Scamander. Except that Newt's like the least interesting character right, in the movie. Right, <laughs> so. or it should have been Albus Dumbledore. Or so, Queenie and her adventures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been better. Most of the other characters are way more interesting but it does seem like they just introduce things to introduce them, you know, and rolling is just coming up with ideas as it goes along. And not all of them are good. The fact that Nagini is a woman who is cursed, I know, uh, made a lot of fans angry because the subtext behind it was pretty racist. Go ahead and look that up. I'm not going to cite all these articles, but that is what I remember. So, yeah. Believe you. I, I'm just not looking forward to any of them. I think I'm going to drop them. And, of course, Rolling being a trash person uh, in 2020 just makes me like the Harry Potter uh, books a lot less than I used to. That's my hot take. I don't know. Is that really a hot take? I mean, a lot of people, I think, share that opinion. Right? Like, it might be a popular hot take. (laughs) I know a lot of people are struggling with uh, their fandom. How much do they let Rowling get away with before they're completely done? Like, can you still love your Hogwarts house and hate J.K. Rowling? And I think that's something we've all had to deal with in the last like three to five years separating the art from the artist or throwing it all in the dumpster when it comes to problematic people yeah agreed lovely all right well (laughs) moving on to more positive news we so wandavision has officially wrapped production it's ready to go for its release later this year which i'm sure most of us are very excited about especially with still no release date (laughs) officially announced and we're running out of time. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously going to be like a week or two after the Mandalorian stops, right? Like, that's I would be... imagine. Yeah. Maybe the same night. Like, just have them both. There like, you go. You know, one be okay. ends and one begins is like a big way to send you know send off the year. But yeah, I, I that's kind of what I'm expecting as well. So the good news is they've done some really interesting stuff with this. So the first episode, at least, was actually filmed in front of a live studio audience using a lot of the same technologies used to film sitcoms, especially old classic black and white sitcoms. 
and practical effects. Everything was done in camera. No, no CG or anything like that for Wanda's powers. And, and Feige consulted with Dick Van Dyke and Ugh. had him on set for part of it. Well, that's just wonderful. I didn't like know that. how great is that? Dick Van Dyke is awesome. That that's wonderful. I mean, I loved growing up watching Bewitched and I Dream of Genie and just you know all of those those classic shows. On I watched them on Nick at Night. Right. I was, was an really... I Love Lucy girl. Definitely I loved Definitely. Lucy. I, I like the ones that had a little bit of magic to them. You know. And I liked a strong female comedian. I thought she was just fantastic. Well, as a, as a Trekkie, I have nothing but respect for, for Miss Ball. But we're talking WandaVision, and it's exciting, and I'm really excited about it. Not a whole lot else to say on it, other than I'm just really stoked. There were some promotional photos released also, but no new trailer or anything like that. So I think there was something about Feige said there was going to be a lot to unpack for Marvel fans. So I'm, I'm curious if he means like Easter eggs or like there's just going to be a huge change in the cinematic universe with this show from what i gathered it was more of if you've been following along then there's going to be a ton of little references and easter eggs that you're going to appreciate but if you haven't and this is your introduction to the mcu then that's going to be okay and don't get me wrong i will be glad if they're able to somehow pull that off and bring in a new group of fans but i just find that a very difficult line to walk i don't believe this is anybody's entry point yeah i mean come on who hasn't seen at least one of the movies at this point it just seems unlikely right especially because it's all well almost all available on disney plus right so if you're excited about wandavision and you haven't seen anything else before it you'd think you'd at least sit down and watch the avengers movies i mean honestly if i hadn't seen it i'd at least want to see the movies that wanda and vision are in right yeah so i just it's a little that's kind of a weird concept but there hasn't really been a movie yet that required you to see the whole mcu i mean you could have still watched infinity war and endgame without having seen the previous 20 movies Mm -hmm. you know now i don't know so we'll see i'm really looking forward to it though everything that i've seen about it looks great apparently paul bettany is now thinking he should have done sitcoms his entire career he had so much fun with it which i mean that's a good sign because i love him so if he had that much fun i imagine his performance is going to reflect that so he had a funny story of course they're doing press and of course it's all from their uh homes but they had a funny story that when they shot uh their first big kiss that one of them had a cold and they had to immediately go get tested for coronavirus but they did it after the kiss so they both had to go get tested (laughs) luckily it was just a cold and everything but uh the two of them were really grossed out (laughs) sure sure i can only imagine i mean that's you know that's not great in a non-pandemic world right so right totally all right well anything else you guys want to cover in the news world before we move on to our main topic the rock is rebooting scorpion king and uh she hulk is going to start filming soon and it's filming under the working title of libra and it's a nod to her being a 
lawyer it's the scales and everything so that's it that's news also i think uh doesn't daredevil come back to marvel at this point uh, this month this month uh, like, yeah i yeah. think it's the 29th which I means think. potentially matt murdoch could show up in she hulk show yes i would love that I, th- I think that's a better fit than the spider-man movie everybody's like let's put him in spider-man 3 now that's already gonna be packed out give it give it to me in she hulk i'm I good mean, with that just because they're in new york together doesn't mean anything right Come and on. i think it, it works better on the sh- on the series scale anyway right because again like daredevil going up against thanos seems kind of silly but him being in a courtroom with she hulk makes perfect sense yeah can you imagine them going against each other in the courtroom that would be awesome seeing well, out of character doing that uh, i know that vincent d'onofrio wants to come back for the uh spider-man stuff mm-hmm. however i i just don't think that's good like he bashed a dude's head in with a door in like episode three or four <laughs> that's not tom holland's spider-man <laughs> hey maybe it's time to make him a little more adult maybe i mean there Kingpin is this whole... be the one that runs the sinister six or, or sinister mm-hmm. seven or whatever it is that the spider-man villain gang have him be the mm-hmm. one that runs it and puts them together i mean i could see it vincent d'onofrio is so good he'll make it work Wow. It's going to have to be a soft reboot of the characters anyway, right? Because I mean, yeah. at this point, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Netflix shows have pretty much been told they're not, they're only semi-canon. Yeah. So. Right. I mean, basically, as long as they're not contradicted, right? right. They can be canon. And I, the good news is a lot of the actors on the Netflix shows wanted to continue. So they have opportunities to bring these people back if they want to, because of just how the, the, the contracts have worked out. So if they want to bring back d'onofrio and have him be you know at least even just as a character in a show like she hulk he doesn't have to be the bad guy like the big bad but he can exist in that universe and kind of keep the characters moving along and eventually maybe do you know v2 of the defenders you could use almost the exact same cast and i don't think people are going to complain too much i agree because the cast was never the problem with those shows well except maybe iron fist for some people I mean, I don't think the casting was the problem because he's much better in season two and he's much better when he teams up with uh, uh, with Luke Cage. Sure. Yeah. For you, they were. But for a lot of people, they still had issues with his casting. So, yeah. you know, I, I tend to agree with you. But, you know, that was uh, probably the worst casting of the Marvel shows, if you ask in general. So I guess if you had to rank them. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a short break. And when we come back, we will be talking the DC Comics hit. Jonah Hex. We'll be right back. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and we're back. Let's do this. Let's talk 2010's Jonah Hex starring Josh Brolin, Megan Fox, John Malkovich, Michael Fassbender, Will Arnett, Michael Shannon, uh, Lance Reddick. Like, there's just so many freaking Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yep. Oh, right, yeah. Uncredited, but yes, he's in there. <laughs> it's, there are so many good actors in this movie that it's almost magical. It's as bad as it is. This film uh, has a 4.7 on IMDb. It is DC's worst box office showing of all time. It comes in behind 1984's Supergirl. Okay. This movie brought in worldwide just over $11 million on a $47 million budget. And the estimated at-home disc sales between DVD and Blu-ray are over $10 million. It almost doubled its its box office take home. This movie was a massive flop just across the board. There's reports of a lot of behind the scenes production issues that I'm going to let Ray talk about a bit because she looked into them. And I, honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to be totally honest cards on the table. When we decided to do this movie in my head, the movie I was picturing was Van Helsing. I had not seen this before. I thought I had seen it. But Van Helsing at, is a much different movie. It is not necessarily much better, <laughs> but certainly more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. I just I got the, the choice. Two. I'll watch Van Helsing all <laughs> every time, ten out of ten times over this movie. I can't blame you. After seeing, because I, I I now know I've seen them both now because I saw Van Helsing in theaters, and yeah, man, I I can't blame you. Ray, why don't you talk a bit about some of the production issues that may have caused the movie to be just slightly below par okay so uh what i found when i was digging is that the script was in uh production as far back as like 2003 2004 um it got zero traction for quite a long time obviously since it came out in 2010 there was uh, a director attached to it he left two years prior to shooting then they got this director hayward to shoot it uh warner brothers hated what hayward did and so they hired a completely different director for reshoots they ended up reshooting 66 pages of script in only 12 days so everybody was overworked and uh, incredibly exhausted and if you notice the the movie is a bit inconsistent is because hayward and this guy's uh, visions were completely different and uh you know my Michael Shannon and Will Arnett, you're probably thinking to yourself, hey, I know those guys. Why are their parts so small? Well, it's because, first of all, they thought they were going to get sequels. So they immediately wanted to set up people for a bigger universe. Uh, And then there's also the fact that their parts were cut down to almost nothing. Maybe, you know, Will Arnett gets two scenes, I think, and Michael Shannon gets that one little cameo. And also, neither of them uh, really uh, played a role that was fitting of their abilities. 
and neither played to their strength. You know, Will Arnett, we know, is a comedy actor more than anything else. Not a comedy actor in this. Nope. There Not was even no a jokes. Little. That was apparently a draw for him. Part of the reason he took the role was it gave him an opportunity to not play a comedic character that was not an, a, a strength of this movie so. <laughs> no absolutely not and i completely agree like i have no problem with actors stepping out of their comfort zone we've seen it work time and time again and will arnett is not a bad actor by any means so it could have worked for him this was just a bad movie yes. and uh so uh josh brolin turned down the film initially and uh, Megan Fox turned it down. The original script was kind of disgusting and misogynistic. And this one it, wasn't much better, to no, be honest. No, uh, Josh Brolin made them rewrite quite a few things. And that's what got Megan Fox to sign on because she was a bit more of a badass and less of a damsel. And then... Uh, he also had them play up some tongue-in-cheek situations, so it was more cheesy. And he was hoping that the cheesiness was going to be, you know, the good cheesy instead of the really bad cheesy like this was. Because that's what it was. It was the bad cheesy. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. So this, this is a short movie. It is 81 minutes and you're saying that 66 pages were rewritten and the kind of the rule is that no we're reshot. re-shot. I think the entire script was rewritten. Okay. So I mean 66 minutes approximately of the movie were completely reshot of an 81 mm-hmm. minute movie. Like it's kind of crazy to think about because we discuss how Justice League this is such a big deal about, you know, the Snyder cut and everything like that. But it, I never realized that a previous DC film had gone through just as many reshoots as Justice League had with Whedon. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is almost the, the entire movie was reshot. And that's just for what it is, considering the, how small the budget was and how big the cast is. That's just really surprising. So what's what's let's try this. What did you like about the movie? So I didn't know much. I hadn't seen this before. um, And I didn't know much about Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex showed up on a few episodes of Legends of Tomorrow. um, And that's about all I knew about him from those. That was what I saw in those episodes, which wasn't much. But um, his character is actually pretty cool. Uh, You know, he has like some not Constantine personality vibes, but similar like mysticism um and being able to communicate with the dead and if you watch this or listen to our show then you know that that's i'm a big fan of like the more mystical and magical dc and marvel stuff um so i i I thought that was really neat especially you're seeing it in you know cowboy times essentially um which most of the mystical and magical stuff is more modern um but that was basically where it ended i mean it's i liked the you know he when he touched the dead all this all the the stuff that happened you know they would start burning up and he could communicate with them and um i thought that was cool but that was basically the only highlight of the movie for me i honestly was gonna say something very similar is that i i really liked the uh bringing back the dead look to it um and I liked when Josh Brolin had one-on-one conversations because he seemed like he did a lot better with that than he did with 
the big action scenes or uh, big group settings. Um, and I think the costumes pretty much nailed it. But... He was struggling with that prosthetic, though. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely was. It looked, it looked okay. It, I mean, it looked straight out of the comics, but he also looked pained. He did, but also like my, th- if you watch the movie, then you know that he gets branded with like the initials of his enemy that killed his family or whatever, and then it's implied that he takes an axe and heats it up and like carves up his face to hide the uh initials so he doesn't have to look at him anymore but why if you were going to do that would you just leave this one little stringer across your mouth right you know what i mean that makes it impossible to talk and makes it so that you can't actually see any and nobody that looks at you looks at anything other than your weird little goober that crosses across your mouth yeah i don't know that's that a fair question it didn't make yeah. a lot of sense to me to be honest no and i'm with you guys on the the bringing back of the dead and i think the effects this the actual visual effects look pretty good Mm -hmm. for those sequences as well especially given the budget for the movie the the problem is to my understanding that's not a power jonah hex normally has right so the coolest part of the movie is not actually from the origins of the character which is well it's just it makes it a little less it makes it more disappointing right that 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 means that if they didn't do that, then the movie would have been absolutely terrible yeah. and there wouldn't have been any redeeming qualities. So That's I'm a good okay point. with it. That's a good point. Uh, I do agree with Ray as well. I think the production value was pretty good. The, the, the costuming, the sets, I think that all looked pretty good. There were very few moments where I thought the movie looked bad. The problems all seemed to be with the writing and kind of the performances behind the terrible writing. I think were, were the main issues for me. Like there's the writing is bad in this movie the the one-liners are not good yeah when john malkovich is phoning in his performance then that means that you did something real bad right with the writing and he's done some stinkers like it's yeah. it's not like he's this great a never failed actor but this this is not good john malkovich i think was the worst performer he's not by far the worst actor but i think he just completely gave up his character was horrible, though. I mean, oh, I yeah. get it. Like, when his performance in Con Air outshines the performance, <laughs> no, that's saying a lot. When he's when he connected with more with the villain in Con Air than he did with this guy, I mean, mm. come on. Well, because there's, there's just nothing. There's nothing here, and the, I don't think the movie does a good a good job explaining who people are, right? So he's which is conf- weird because there's a ton of exposition throughout <laughs> everything. <laughs> You're right. You're totally right. So Turnbull, who's Malkovich's character, is a Confederate general. And this is after the Civil War. I I think it's supposed to be 1876. They never actually say it, but I think that's when it's supposed to be. I mean, it's implied just because they're all wearing like uniforms from the Civil War, right? Right. They, they are. But like, so they're supposed to be celebrating the centennial of the country, but the only thing they show that has any dates on it says 1868. So it threw me off a little bit. I wasn't yeah. sure if that was just an unnecessary date that somebody on the, on the production staff put in there or whatever, but, but yeah, so his whole motivation is to destroy the United States of America. Not, not that the South should secede, but that the United States should be destroyed. That's as a, his, whole. as a whole. That's his whole, that's his entire motivation. And 
I mean, his motivation for, for what he does to Hex at least makes some sense, right? Hex kills his son, so he kills Hex's family. Like, I can at least follow that. Yeah, so that was part of the production situation. One director wanted him just to have a grudge against Jonah Hex and nothing else. He was just going to be an evil Confederate general. And, you know, he's all for slavery. He's all for the South. And he hates Jonah Hex. Then somebody, uh, the second director, came along and was like, no, we're going to have him hate the United States and have the whole cannon situation and the detonators and... Uh, so th- I think that's where the two conflicting movies come along is John Malkovich just hates too much stuff. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Well, and you run into the doomsday weapon problem where it, it's not easy to, to write in a doomsday weapon. And when you go back in time, it's even harder because it's less realistic. So mm-hmm. here you have what's essentially it's kind of like the weapon from the rock that we had last week, except a lot larger in scale. And they're basically nukes that function together by having one dragon ball blow up a bunch of cannonballs. Yeah. That's what I gathered. The okay, super I, weapon think I, is. I don't, I don't think that's actually what it is. Okay. But I could be wrong. I just interpreted it. They were shooting the cannonballs first to uh, make sure that the cannon is dialed in to hit where it's supposed to hit. So I thought that until the climax where he straight up says to fire 50 of them and they're fired like all over the place, like where the event is happening. I guess I missed that. I think they're they're like the, the glowing, the glowing dragon ball is the catalyst. But I think the cannonballs are like the thing that ignites. But we shouldn't be having this discussion. It should have been explained in the movie somehow, right? Because <laughs> yeah. they explained everything else. Yeah, and literally everything else. But then yeah, somehow they also didn't explain anything else about like a bunch of the characters. So, <laughs> well, and then like you have um who who's the who's the guy who's basically the traitor the whole time? Is it is it Lieutenant Evan played by John Gallagher? Is that? what what are you talking about i can't remember who it is i'm drawing a blank now there is a character the aristocrat yes sorry all the money yes lusk what's his motivation why is he a traitor he's he's being threatened by by who by turnbull but is he he has he has zero weapons or firepower, but he has all this money. So he's giving all this money to Turnbull. Just so Turnbull doesn't kill him? Yeah. And then Turnbull kills him in his second scene. Okay. See, I didn't get that. I just thought he was like being a traitor to be a traitor and they did never no. explained it. Okay. Okay. It's also worth noting that that guy was uh, has done both a DC and a Marvel movie at this point because I, I believe he was also Mephistopheles and Ghost Rider. No, he oh. was uh, his son, Blackheart. Oh, that's what it was. Blackheart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I recognized him. I was like, oh, that's where I know this guy from. I've never seen him in anything else, I don't think. But Ghost Peter Rider, Fonda he... was Mephisto. That's right. That's right. Well, did Which you is know? a damn good casting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you know Josh Brolin was also in a Marvel movie? <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> now we just need John Malkovich in there. I still want him as Craven the Hunter. Oh man, he'd be oh, so man. good. Hey, I guess Michael Fassbender, not an MCU movie, but a That's Marvel true. movie. I, you know what, what's funny is when he, he first shows up, I was like, that dude looks an awful lot like Michael Fassbender. But I was like, there's no way that's actually Michael Fassbender because he would not have taken this weird ass side role. 
Well, this was right after 300, so he was not, like, a big deal. But I guess I just was thinking nowadays, and, like, there's no way that would be him in, like, this tiny little bit part. And no, it was. It's such a weird role. Could anybody understand a damn thing he said? Isn't he actually Irish and he can't make his accent at all? Uh, yeah, that was definitely like a very exaggerated version of his accent. It's also like a really weird, I don't know if I'd call it racist, but the way that like they always have the the Irishman be like the guy that's going to like fisticuff people and like stab them back yeah. in this period. I don't know if that's based in some sort of truth, but it seems like every Western has that one Irish guy that wants to stab people and punch them in the face. As an Irish-Italian uh, woman, I am completely okay with my only ancestors being considered brawlers and gangsters but yeah it's a weird stereotype for sure okay can i talk about my my biggest problem well one of my biggest problems with this movie please that jonah hex has such undefined power levels that you don't have there's no stakes at all because like He's been shot a hundred times because Megan Fox goes through and like touches every bullet wound and then licks it seductively. And then she's like, well, one more and you're going to die. And then he gets shot like 17 more times and he's fine. He stumbles a little bit, has a little weird vision, but then he comes back. Then that weird fucking scene where the crow comes out of his mouth. It was like, I was watching burning man happen right in front of me. I don't know what that was when he's in like the Native American tent. And I, I need to know if that is just racist. Like it, it seems is. like it is. Right. Like it seems so in bad. bad. Taste. And it just was so trippy and weird out and out of place in this movie. But even if let's pretend for a minute, it's not racist. Okay. Let's just put that aside for a moment. If a Native American tribe had the ability to save people at that stage of like brink of death, wouldn't they just do that all the time for their own people instead of white guys? Instead of some yeah, random, random dude white guy they find <laughs> on the road. Like, how many times have we seen that in westerns, where you know a random group of Native Americans take this dying white person and save them with some uh, Western medicine they've never seen before and everything is right with the world. Oh, it's a like, bad trope. Yeah, it's not, right? it's not good. It's problematic. The the American uh, stereotype that the natives just helped us every single time, like, is absolutely ridiculous, you know? We never get to see us give them smallpox, but, <laughs> like, it, it, we have, we hear all this, terrible stuff that we've done we're like why would they help us in any capacity there's literally no reason why they would and in this movie it's almost like they they were aware that this was going to come off racist so they made sure that his wife was a native american woman and they had a child together Mm -hmm. that way it's like well it's not racist because he's totally cool with native american people i'll say that his uh (laughs) the makeup work for the gunshots and like birdshot on his chest looks really good yeah i was really impressed with that because a lot of movies ignore birdshot like that it exists and they just make like big bullet holes but the fact that he had like the scattered shot 
was really cool and it looked really good but then immediately i was like there's a crow coming out of his mouth what is going on (laughs) that belongs in a completely different movie if jonah hex was in justice league dark the crow coming out of his mouth i wouldn't think anything about it. That would have been it. the least weird thing happening right? in the movie, probably, yeah. <laughs> and Jonah Hex belongs in the Justice League dark. I don't know why they don't keep him there. Um, can we talk about the cowardice that is every decision behind Megan Fox's character? Oh my Lila? god, don't even get me started on her. Okay, so I don't like her as an actress. I like her as a person. Seeing her do interviews and stuff behind the scenes, I think she's amazing. I don't think she has a ton of acting talent. She was great in Jennifer's Body. Just saying. Jennifer's Body is a really good movie. Watch that for sure. Um, I, As someone who read the comic, introducing Tallulah Black and Jonah Hex's romance... Tallulah Black is also disfigured and scarred. She is missing an eye and she was drugged uh, while she was a prostitute and her nether bits were sliced up by uh, actually Michael Fassbender's character. Um, So I'm glad we didn't see that. But first of all, it's completely cowardly to and not have her also be disfigured. It could have been a really cool nod to um, the the comics. But also, they overcorrected her in filming and post. She was 24 at the time, and she had soft lights on her everywhere, and she was uh, completely blurred out and overcorrected. Yeah, she looked like post. she was in an Instagram filter like, or a Snapchat filter. The like whole time. three or four of them. It was bad. It looked like the exact thing that they would use in the original Star Trek anytime they wanted to show a pretty woman. And they wanted <laughs> you to know this woman's supposed to be attractive. That's what they did. But for a 24-year-old who's basically like a model, model attractive in a movie in 2010. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Her whole character was, for me, a waste and a damsel. And I get that whatever, they added the stuff to make her shoot some guns and pick a lock. But she basically didn't do shit and was a damsel the whole time. Uh, Absolutely. Super boring. Also, like, when they revealed her name, like, it was it was clearly led up to be some big-ass moment that we're all like, oh! But then I, I didn't get it like am i supposed to know this name from something because it was i'm pretty sure it wasn't explained anywhere else in the movie that this is somebody that we should know it was just for like all the comic book fans to have a collective gasp at that one moment and even then it's not really for comic book fans it's really a deep cut because nobody out of jonah hex really has gotten equally as popular and even jonah hex is not that popular (laughs) no it's just as weird that he's been in two live action presentations in the last 10 years for somebody who's not that popular but yeah that was that was another that was the biggest problem i have with her besides the damsel thing was that her whole name reveal seemed like it was supposed to be a big moment and i'm not sure why i mean she was just like water she added nothing to the pot here except anybody wanted an attractive woman that's about it well that that was the only qualification i think any actor could have been in there yeah. Right. You, you need somebody who's in their early to mid 20s who's attractive. That's all that, that who's willing to kiss a bunch for. of uh, 
bullet wounds. I guess fake, weird, ah, fake bullet wounds on Josh Brolin, who's not yeah. an unattractive man. Like, yeah. <laughs> just saying, yeah. you know, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. Maybe Jonah Hex, the reason it's gotten two live action showings in the last decade is that because it's relatively unpopular, there's not a lot of risk for the studio to like ruin the character. You That's know, like possible. they're really protective of Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. Right. But they're not really protective of Jonah Hex because what's going to happen if they can't use Jonah Hex for a few years. Right. That's, That's my guess. That's just a guess. All right. So what, what else? Is there anything else in this fascinating film? Oh, there's the dog. The dog is that did cute. nothing the whole time. Uh, fun fact about the dog. They needed to make the dog look less cute and attractive as a dog. And so the dog had to sit through an hour of makeup before shooting each time. The dog was a waste. I mean, it was cool. To, like as soon as the, uh, he saves the dog, I was like, oh, he saved the dog. That's great. And then immediately there's a huge explosion. And I'm like, oh, the dog is dead. And then they show the dog running away. So it's like, oh, the dog is not dead. And then the dog just chases him like twice. And the dog doesn't contribute anything i was like hopefully the dog gets to chew somebody's neck out or something but nope the yeah. dog takes him to the native americans after he's been shot okay. with all the shotgun pellets yeah that's i true. mean i guess but that's if point. that's what you were setting up the, the, the whole thing with the dog for then i mean it seems like there's probably a better way to do that yeah that's well, a huge waste i think the dog is meant to be like see he's really a good guy I thought the dog was more like, now he has a dog in the sequel and you can check this out. Because at the end, isn't the dog running off with him? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I can't wait to see this dog do nothing for an hour and a half or 80 minutes or whatever it is. Yeah. I'm with you. I do want to complain a little bit about how they treated Lance Reddick for a minute. So he plays uh, the the gunsmith guy. And... Lance His name is, a- is actually Smith. Okay. It's horrible. Well, he's a great actor. I love him. Watch Fringe if you haven't, because he's in that pretty heavily and he's awesome. This man is, he, he's in a couple of scenes. He designs all the really cool super weapons that Jonah Hex gets to use. And in the closing credits of the movie is second to last in the credits. At least oh- he got in the credits. Jeffrey Dean Morgan didn't even make it in the credits. Jeffrey yep. Dean Morgan might not have wanted his SAG name on there, <laughs> like to be completely honest. <laughs> but Lance had a role; like he, they had, he had a lot of shots trained on his face. Like you know, he's in the movie. You see his his character's kids, and he has the back and forth about you know how J- Jonah's not a racist and doesn't you know like slavery. Like his character has character building done in the movie, and he's just completely tossed aside from a credit perspective, and it just bothered me. I want to say that at the very beginning, when we first get introduced to Jonah Hex, and he rolls up on this like group of people, it's just an obvious trap. And you're like, how's he going to get out of this? And then he fucking rips off like two mini guns attached to his horse. I was like, I am not going to like this movie. <laughs> and which sounds like the opposite of what you would think. No. It's but like not, without though. any setup. Yeah. Like, just having a horse with two miniguns that haven't been anything close to invented yet, or like there's no technology for this, it was unbelievable. And then it shows him again on that guy's work table. And you're like, oh, this guy made the worst miniguns. Now it all makes sense and I'm okay with it. But no, I'm not. <laughs> that horse should have been like knocked on the ground 
from the recoil from how fast those shots were go- i mean the whole thing was stupid well come on man. in this that, like the whole movie in the same scene he's dodging bullets from a sniper yep. up in the bell tower again his powers are so undefined like is he immortal no he, is he faster than a speeding bullet possibly like what what is all, i mean he just those guns that he gets from the smith that are really fucking cool and shoot like explosive crossbow bolts essentially he just throws them on the ground it's like you just have so much money where do you get all this money from that you can buy this stuff from this guy those mini guns couldn't have been cheap and you never see him use them again in the rest of the movie I'm with you. I mean, there's 100%. so many inconsistencies and weird things in this movie that are not explained at all. It's bad. And even the final fight is not good. First off, the, the submarine boat is, I guess, basically a TARDIS because the inside of it is a hell of a lot bigger than it seems to actually be on the outside with the weird contraptions in there. And I mean, was was there any point where you didn't think John Malkovich was going to get blown up by his own weapon? No. I knew that was going to happen. But somehow, blowing up the entire boat, the entire fucking boat, did not create a large enough explosion to kill Jonah and Lila. I do think it would have been better <laughs> if that gear just, like, pinched his head off. Yeah, well, it's PG-13. I think that's the problem. That would have been right? much better, though. Like, oh, great. He doesn't get killed by his own weapon. In fact, he gets his head, like, grotesquely pinched off in this horrible machinery accident. That would have been way better. And then you also would have known he was dead because apparently he died before. We don't know how or what, but everybody thought he was dead. Or even why. Yeah, or why, any of these things. And everybody thought he was dead, but now he's alive. So clearly this guy has the skill of dying and then coming back to life he faked his own death uh in a hotel fire so jonah would stop coming after him so is that in the comic or in the movie and i just that's in the movie well they don't say the motivation they just say that it happens so why why when he's about to die does it just we we're assuming he's dead now because he already faked his death once who's to say he doesn't have some sort of fail safe in place for this we don't know right we also didn't talk about the strange vampire creature in the MMA fighting ring. Yeah. Did I, did I forget about that? What was that? Yeah, it's the scene with um with Michael Shannon. Oh yeah, with the snake guy. Yeah, yeah what that is was weird. he? Is that is he a snake guy? Is he a vampire? Well, what he was he called he was called the snake. Okay, or something that. like that, okay. or the viper, or something along those lines. It, it said it said it when he was getting in the ring. What is he Maybe supposed to be? The, he's a human that like i don't know has had some sort of mystical it was a mystical movie derek i don't know was it the only thing mystical in the movie is jonah hex not dying and being able to now talk to dead people that's pretty mystical and then also you add in a snake guy (laughs) then that makes two mystical things (laughs) they're completely disconnected there's sure but they're both there they both exist Oh man. There's also a crow coming out of his mouth and him not dying from that. And also the crow is an actual crow that lives and people can see. <laughs> so I have It was to... a hallucination that would have made more sense. Anyway, anyway, sorry, Rachel. No, you're good. I have to point out that the general he talks to Slocum in that whole fight scene is Dukes of Hazards uh Tom Wopat of all people, who once hit on me at a Comic Con. Oh, congratulations. I mean, who hasn't hit on Rachel at a Comic-Con, though? Let's get real. Well, I mean, lots of people, but... If it makes uh, you feel any better, I've never been hit on at a 
Comic-Con. I just responded with, thank you, TV's Tom Wopat, and walked away. <laughs> it's like, for some reason, the way I said it, it came off as an insult. <laughs> it was great. Wow. Okay. That's a good story. I thought so. I'm That's... sure our listeners think so, too. That no, sounds like a I'm great probably going to get a bad review for <laughs> Probably a one star. TV's Tom from TV's Tom. He's gonna give us a bad review now. Way to go, Rachel. Look, the good news is if we get a bad review, it means somebody's listening to the show. That's true. At the end of the day, right? They care so much about their 10-year-old production of Jonah Hex that they're gonna listen to this. Some of those actors, Slocum, is gonna listen to this. Like, Uh, how dare this woman? Yeah, what is her problem? I think it's time to wrap things up with 2010's Jonah Hex. Any final thoughts on the movie? Let's never watch this again. If we're talking about the movies that we wish we didn't have to watch in our uh, recap episode. Yeah. Can we all just agree that this is one and we don't have to bring it up (laughs) on that episode? We all just agree on it. That's fair. I want to be clear that this was Derek's idea, so. It was. It I apologize. I thought it was a different movie. <laughs> it's so funny to me because you usually think about everything so much before you like decide on it. And then this movie, you're just like, oh, it's Van Helsing. No problem. We're watching that. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Yeah, I apologize. I, I, I don't know how I confused. We're never going to let you live this down. Just that's FYI. fine. So and it's, it's deserved. It's funny because Derek said that he went to go see it because uh, Megan Fox was hot. And then when he realized that it was Van Helsing, I looked at him and I was like, it's because you think that Kate Beckinsale's hot. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, yeah, not not Megan Fox. Well, to be fair, I also think Megan Fox is hot also. I find them both very attractive. There you go. I knew it was coming. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen a lot of Megan Fox's work. So, I mean, Jennifer's body was great. And as Ninja Turtles. I mean, she's not the worst part of those movies, man. Well, yeah, you're right, but they're pretty <laughs> close. You know, and I think she's fine in Transformers. There's like she's not the problem in Transformers either. So no, Michael Bay is. And she yeah. was good on New Girl. She has like a I think 15 episode run on New Girl, and she's good on that. So I don't I don't have any problem with you're her. You're making at all. it sound like you've seen a lot of her work. She's been in a lot of things. I yeah, was but I thought you just said night. that you you weren't you haven't seen a lot of her work. That's it. That's all I've seen her in. That's all. That's basically everything she's done. No, she's been in forty different productions. Oh, okay, I'm pretty sure you just named off thirty six of them. But okay. <laughs> okay. you know exactly how long her episode run on New Girl was. Yeah, because so. I looked last night when we were watching this movie. Mm-hmm. I was curious. You did a lot of deep diving on that research. Is all I'm saying. I did. I try. I try okay. to come prepared. Well done to this yeah, show, even Helsing. after five years. I still try and come prepared. Van Helsing, uh huh. You really came prepared. I watched the right movie. <laughs> okay, you guys remember the time bar, we had? But it's a little bar, but we we got there. Remember we had a time a guest on one time who thought we were talking about top robots instead of reboots and came completely prepared <laughs> with the wrong that. topic. Yes, we all we don't mention that name around these parts anymore. <laughs> it and happens, then, you know. Just to appease him, like six months later, we did a top robots episode. <laughs> So he wasn't on it. Was uh, he? Yes. Yeah, he was. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I pushed it out of my memory. 
All right. So this was <gasps> this was Jonah Hex, aka Van Helsing. And next week we are uh I think we're doing our, our look back at the Rocketeer. It's available on Disney Plus. So you, if you have Disney Plus, you can watch that out there. The following week, we'll be discussing Tron Legacy for its 10th anniversary. I'm sure we'll talk about the first one a bit too. Again, available on Disney Plus. We are the Screen Heroes Podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. Please follow us on Twitter at Screen Heroes Pod, and you can subscribe to the show on any number of podcast service apps like Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and more. Please go ahead and drop us a review if you do. We will give you a shout out on the show and even read your review live on the show. You may be wondering why we haven't talked to Mandalorian and that's because one of our sister shows is talking about the Mandalorian. So if you love that show and you want to listen to people that are less entertaining than us, then go over to that show <laughs> and listen to those less entertaining people. And then tweet us and tell us that you'd rather have us talk about it. Cause I want to talk about it too. Well, there you go. That's the uh, Echo Station podcast. They are covering the Mandalorian. They call it the Mandafetso. So you can go and catch their episodes every other Wednesday. They'll be talking about the Mandalorian. Join us live Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central on the Facebook group Screen Heroes Podcast Forum. You can chat live during the show. Thank you to those who joined us live this week. You can find me at the Star Trek Dude on Twitter if you want to talk to me about things. Ray, where can people find you? I'm at Siren Ray on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Ryan, where can people find you? I'm at the Star Trek dude. And uh, <laughs> I love Star Wars. So tweet at me all the time about the, especially the new movies. They're my favorite. Okay. So Ryan is available at Buster Props. And if he makes this joke again, I'm going to start giving out his personal Twitter handle. Hey, hey, how dare you? <laughs> that, that is his warning on that. Again, we are the Screen Heroes Podcast. Find us at Heroes Podcast. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. We will catch you next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.